Hello, and welcome to Glory Be, interesting people and how they pray. Each week, we chat with interesting people about their lives, their work, and how they pray. I'm Sharon Hanish. And I'm Mike Malcolm, sitting in for Father Vince. Our guest today is Mr. Paul Stokell. He is the Adult Faith Formation Director at St. John Newman in Sunbury, Ohio. I have known Paul for the better part of 30 years or beyond. We went to college together at St. Minerid College Seminary. And since then, Paul has gone on to work in three dioceses in a, a variety of disciplines, a lot of adult faith um, formation and some RCIA. So welcome to the podcast, Paul. Mike, thank you so much for having me. Well, this is your time. I mean, you have prepared all those people for baptism and for, for to receive um, their reception into full communion with the church, for confirmation, all that. What's the plan in Ohio? Well, the plan uh, immediately for the parish will be to initiate uh, the folks in uh, our parish that have been have been preparing uh, at a specially scheduled liturgy that will happen this coming week, uh, the 14th of April. Uh, and that way we are going to be able to permit uh, our uh, candidates, our confirmandi, and those being received into full communion to invite more of their family and friends and uh, that way we will be able to respect the restrictions and uh, the rules just regarding this pandemic and um, and to keep everyone as comfortable and to make it as important a moment for all of them as we can. That's awesome. And yeah, sometimes taking it out away from Easter is a, a blessing in a certain sense because it does yeah. let you focus on that. It does. It does. And what's amazing about it is that the the rite itself, the text of the rite, says that we can do exactly that when situations uh, require it. So this is not necessarily a great break with any kind of tradition. There are other parishes which uh, do their baptisms and do their receptions and confirmations throughout the Easter season, so long as it's done up to and including Pentecost. Mm-hmm. In a normal year, would you have done it during the Easter vigil? Oh, yes, very definitely, Sharon. Um, we would uh, we would very definitely do uh, that during the vigil. It would be very highly unusual for us to do it apart from the vigil, except for those individuals who may be waiting on uh, cases regarding marriages being recognized and, and resolved by the, uh, the tribunal. And, and we actually do have a number of those. We have six people in various uh, stages of formation and uh, in the process and, and, and are, have been very positive with uh, the processes that uh, our diocesan tribunal have to help them and get them into the church at their own pace. We have told them the outcome is not so much the vigil, the big event. Mm-hmm. The outcome is the life of discipleship that these people are going to have in the Roman Catholic tradition, which will last them the rest of their lives. So your RCIA, did you do your classes virtually, or were you able to gather? <clears throat> how did how did that work this, during this these unusual times? That's a that's a fantastic question, and uh, and it 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 it, uh, it it seemed to flow very well together. Uh, this year, we had decided to do two separate sessions 
of uh, of what we call OCI. We call it OCI at the parish, Order of Christian Initiation, because that is actually what the RCIA will end up getting retitled as uh, across the country once the uh, the retranslation of the right is approved by Rome. There are certain places in the United States, namely uh, the entire Archdiocese of St. Louis, that have gone so far as to rechristen those programs, and I hate to call them programs, but I think you know what I mean, yep. as, as OCI. So we decided let's do it in two sessions. Let's do one after the, uh, the main Sunday Mass, and let's do one on a Tuesday when um, people are not tied up with, with different things. Hmm. And then the pandemic hit. We decided to go and do both of those sessions on Zoom. And we had two two communities really forming. We had our Sunday session with uh, with uh, a lot of young women, strangely enough, uh, predominantly young women and older men were uh, on the Tuesday sessions. So when we all were able to get together, the Tuesday and the Sunday sessions in one big thing, uh, Wednesday of Holy Week, there was a lot of surprise and there was a lot of optimism seeing these new faces and, and, and discovering that the church that's in miniature, when you get people together with this ministry, is a lot bigger than they think. And then, of course, it goes to the whole parish because doing the RCIA, as it's generally known, is the responsibility of the parish anyway. Okay, well, great. You know, Mike mentioned, and and you all talked before we started, so you all went to seminary, and then, you know, so talk talk about your vocation. So obviously you, like Mike, were discerning a vocation to the priesthood, and and you somehow, you know, now you're married. We forgot to mention that. You're married with three children. That's correct. You did not become a, a priest, so talk to us about that. Sure, sure. Well, I remember, I, I can tell you the very first time I laid eyes on Mike, and that was we were sitting with uh, two or three other individuals in January of 1992. Mm-hmm. We had chosen to uh, transfer from different schools. Mike was transferring from the University of Tulsa. I was transferring from the University of Louisville. And uh, <clears throat> and that's how we got to know each other because we were a little bit, we were a, a tiny bit older, you know, yeah. we were, we were uh, among the handful of freshmen that were able to, to legally yeah. buy a drink. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it just, it just took off from there and a friendship formed mm-hmm. and we got to know each other very, very well. Um, and of course, you know, college, college, as it always does, it, it has its starting and it has its ending. He, and, and Mike began his illustrious career with the diocese. I decided to uh, do a little bit more exploring. I spent about uh, a year in a uh, Benedictine monastery in north central Illinois uh, exploring that vocation. And then after uh, giving it a lot of discernment and a lot of careful thought, I returned to uh, formation for the diocesan priesthood in the Archdiocese of Louisville. That's who I was studying for in, in college. And after two years of that, I did uh, two years of study at St. Mary's Seminary and University in Baltimore, Maryland, which is uh, a traditional place where Louisville sends its people. Uh, I decided that was, you know, I I was being called to something different. And I remember having a conversation with uh, a a young lady that I had met uh, at uh, a parish that uh, I had been interned to, to work as a seminarian. And We've now been married 22 years. Yep, the and, rest uh, is history. 
and and Mike Mike was there uh, at uh, at my wedding, yeah. and uh, he was in my wedding, which was great, yeah. with uh, some other folks that uh, some other classmates that we know, and it went on from there. My wife, just so you know, my wife Kimberly is in uh, marketing work. She originally uh, started in the uh, the, uh, the restaurant food service uh, marketing industry. She uh, and, and took us across the country. Of course, she worked for Sonic Drive-In, mm-hmm. and uh, and of course uh, that brought us to the city that brought us to Oklahoma City. We spent four wonderful years there. We had our youngest child, my daughter, Emma, there. And then um, I remember being at my office at St. Francis of Assisi Parish in Oklahoma City, talking with uh, talking with uh, one of the secretaries. And I got a text from, from Kim saying, I just got offered a job at Wendy's, which is in Dublin, Ohio. And I thought, well, it looks like we're moving again. <laughs> And we have now been in Ohio for uh, just over ten years, and um, I have uh, you know our oldest daughter and uh, our son, uh, who were both born in Louisville, but uh, went to different schools as we moved. Uh, our oldest is our oldest is graduating uh, Ohio University. Our uh, ch- our middle child Ian, my son, is uh, graduating from high school at uh, Olentangy Berlin High School, and uh, our youngest uh, Emma. Uh, who is uh, Mike's goddaughter? Uh, she is now twelve and living large. Yeah. So it's 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 been quite an adventure. I have loved church work. I have a passion for talking about the church, about the not just the uh, the the backside of the church, you know, where you see all the sausage being made, but also the front side where people are engaging in lives of faith, lives of prayer, and taking their whole selves and coming to know Jesus Christ through this great tradition that we have in the Catholic Church. Awesome. Well, tell me more about adult faith enrichment in the age of COVID. So, you know, we've gotten very good at putting on a show. (laughs) We're all very good at remote, Zoom, whatever, podcasts with screens everywhere. Um, where does this prepare us for a different mode of formation in the future? Are we ready to just snap back into that wonderful in-person eye contact uh, method of learning? What do you see as the future? Well, I'm going to be honest with you when it comes to how we communicate with one another and how we are learning different things after spending uh, what is now a 13 to a 14 month timeout. I can say that there's not going to be such a thing as normal as we understand it. We now have a set of technologies and way of t- and way of discussing things that uh, is now a, a tool, you know, a tool in our toolbox, and we're just not going to let it sit and collect dust. In, mm-hmm. I think we're going to be able to incorporate Zoom, Google Meet, what, uh, mm-hmm, or what have you, and and I'm not, I'm, I, mm-hmm is actually a technology that overlays <laughs> Zoom, and it's terrific, by the way. Um, they did not pay me for that, uh, but but we're going to have those technologies at our disposal. We're going to have remote things at our disposal anyhow because that's going to free us not only from just meeting in the church building, especially for those that live uh, far away, but uh, it's also going to enable, enable us to, to do more as individuals and also as well as groups. Um, a lot of parishes, of course, are subscribing to online uh streaming services, things such as Formed, which is done through Augustine Institute. You have, of course, uh, Bishop Robert Barron's Word on Fire. And then you have others which are which are coming along. 
A lot of Catholic parishes are are still very much involved in promoting the Alpha Course, which uh, even though it was uh, originated from the Church of England, it very much has a home in the Catholic Church, and uh, that can be done virtually. This is something that it's going to stay with us. Yeah. I think lots of people will be more than happy to come together and 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 spend time together in the same place where they can see and touch and feel and get back into a group environment. But the the virtual experience, especially for those in distance environments and, and necessary remote environments, it's it's not going to go away. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you just one one small anecdote about this. Uh, in RCIA, in our in our efforts uh, at St. John Newman, there is a woman that is actually taking part in our sessions uh, in extreme southeast Ohio, not too far oh, from uh, where my daughter attends uh, at uh, Ohio University at Athens. And the reason why she is there is because that's her job. Mm-hmm. She's a social worker down in southeastern Ohio, but her home is uh is near Sunbury so because of that she is now able to access what we're doing so for people in those unique situations we now have a better way of reaching out to them and incorporating them in our discernment in our uh our faith formation and in all the things that we're going to do it's it's a whole new ball game now yeah yeah. Yes, I think it's a great gift to the church, really, that has come out of this pandemic. You know that, I mean, certainly for our church here, Mike mm-hmm. has begun streaming all of our masses. And, you know, even when the pandemic is over, we'll be able to reach those people, like you were talking about, who are elderly, sick, and they want to go to our parish, not necessarily to a Catholic YouTube channel. So I sure. think lots of greatness has come out of this for faith formation, you know, for the future of faith. But... As someone who is responsible for a lot of in-person gatherings, I'm also very much looking forward to being able to gather, to touch, to smile, to be together. So, Yeah, I think of we're not there at the finish line, <clears throat> but it's within sight. It's way out there someplace, but we're, yeah. we know what to do. We know what to do. So um, our podcast is called Interesting People and How They Pray. Um, so we kind of start to transition into our How Do You Pray segment of our uh of our podcast. So you mentioned, you know, um, that you had done some, uh, formation with, is minor, is it Benedictine or is it? It's run by Benedictines. So you've been influenced by the Benedictines. Uh, you have been, have you been Catholic your whole life? Yes, I have. You've been Catholic your whole life, you know, and now you're a father and, uh, uh, husband and a church worker, you know, how do you pray? What does your, what draws your heart? Well, if there's one thing that uh, <clears throat> that underscores what what I do as far as my prayer life is concerned is what St. Paul, my namesake, says, which is to pray unceasingly. And that means it doesn't necessarily have to be a big formal exercise by either attending a Mass or by celebrating the Liturgy of the Hours. All those are very good. And, and there are great ways to really plug into the rich and deep tradition of, of prayer in the church. But um, my, way of, my way of praying, especially during this pandemic and especially with the busy life that I have, and, and I'm sure that uh, many people who have, who have families with children and, and busy lives, I'm sure they would be able to relate to this, is to find time. You've got to be able to find the time to pray 
even if it's 30 seconds or two minutes. Um, ever since I was in Catholic school, I remember in, in fifth grade, Sister Helen Leo, a uh, good Ursuline nun's name, uh, drilled into us a prayer tradition called the Angelus, the, the, the Marian prayer uh, at 6 a.m., 12 noon, and 6 p.m. Of course, during Easter, we call that the Regina Chaley. So it's a little bit shorter, but it, it, it focuses us on the mysteries of Easter uh, and not necessarily just the, the mysteries of the, the infancy narratives that we read in, uh, in Luke's gospel. So for me, it's been, you know, waking up with, with the Angelus and keeping the Angelus in my head. And it's, it's terrific that, uh, and I make sure that I am praying the Angelus at noon and it's great because I'm doing it in a public high school. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's, there's prayer in public high school and it's not just during exam time. Um, <laughs> so, so being able, <laughs> being able to do that. But also being able to to reflect on my day, being able to um, when I get a chance, when I'm looking at my email, I get the the readings for the mass of the day. Even though I might not be attending the mass for that day, at least I know what the general theme that the church is asking us to look at. And it's, you know, so those readings are going to be different now that uh, we are in the Easter season, and they will be different as we go through each of the seasons of the church's year when we're exploring different mysteries of Jesus. So by, by reading the readings at Mass, by doing the Angelus, and by, and by really remembering those very, short, those very short prayers when I was taught, um, we call those aspirations. In other words, Prayers that you do just with a single breath, things like uh, just my Jesus mercy, or or even the the best one, which would be of course from the from the Eastern uh, tradition, which uh, Mike and I are familiar a little familiar with, which is that the Jesus prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, be merciful to me, a sinner, and to just keep filling in those spaces in time. For me, that's that's been my prayer life. It's been that way. For the last for the last year, of course, during Lent, I made an effort to to pray the liturgy of the hours. Uh, in in my formation, I had a great exposure to that. In my time discerning a monastic vocation, I had an incredible exposure to that, and so that that has stayed with me. You know, someone said a long time ago that that prayers that we memorize either in school or by our own deliberate reading, prayers that we memorize can be like reflexes for our soul. They're, they're like reflexes. When you go to the doctor's office and someone thumps you on the leg and your knee comes up, and you know that's, that's a, a reflex. Well, we can have those reflexes too when it comes to prayer. Just think about times when we hear about someone who's in need, when we hear about um, someone that uh, has had something good happen to them. When we drive past uh, uh, an, an automobile accident or things like that, those are great opportunities for us to call on God. Not maybe not for ourselves, but for our fellow our fellow Christians, our fellow human beings. And in a time such as being in a pandemic, being able to pray for our fellow human beings as we hear the stories and as we know how it's touched us, that's been that that's been a real blessing to me. Uh, one one other thing I'll share with you very personally. Um, the time came in, in late January. And strangely enough, uh, I began feeling the symptoms 
on January 21st, the feast day of St. Meinrad, which is, <laughs> which is, which is interesting because that's, that's our college's patronal feast. Um, I, I knew that I, I knew that I was coming down with, with COVID. I had three days of uh, symptoms and, and, you know, thanks be to God, my, my major symptoms were just basically like the so-called man flu. Mm-hmm. So just get, get under the covers and sleep it off. Right. And, and, and during that time, in times of illness, in times of weakness, such as something like uh, mild COVID or the flu or the common cold or even just being under the weather, those are times when, for me, I'm learning something about my own vulnerability and I apply that to prayer. And I have to say, this is when I'm really depending on God for my health to improve. This is where I am having to depend on other people, my wife, my family, to leave me be and let me heal. And it, it also gives me a, gave me a sense of empathy towards those who are, who are sick as well. So being able to take all of these different times and use them for prayer and to make a habit out of it um, is, is, is how I pray. There's a, a terrific book. It's not necessarily focused on prayer. In fact, I, I made sure to look it up. When uh, when we were just before the podcast, uh, there's a great book by a gentleman named James Clear, and he wrote a book called Atomic Habits, which is about how do you create habits in your own life and how can you do things to stop bad habits from happening. The number one thing that he says is if you want to create a good habit, you've got to make it easier. You've got to find some way to have access to that habit. And so by telling myself, hey – I can pray now. Hey, I can say the Angelus. Hey, I can I can say something to God or just be quiet. Or just be quiet. Those are times where I can make it easy for myself to be open to God and to listen and to bring God's presence not just into my life, but in whatever setting I am in. And that could be a school classroom. That could be when I'm on Zoom with a dozen people talking about uh, whatever, or even right now. <laughs> I love all those ideas. You know, that's what we ho- our hope for the podcast is, to give people lots of different ways of praying and connecting with God. And, and the Angelus has not been mentioned before, which is a great idea. A lot that We've had several people mention <clears throat> the Jesus Prayer, which, of course, I love the Jesus Prayer as well. But... And even the taking the opportunity when we're vulnerable or when we're driving in the car, whatever that those are those are just great ideas. I really appreciate your insight. Has there been a time in your life? One thing we do, I think Mike might have mentioned to you before the podcast. We ask all our guests, you know, has there been a, t- a particular time in your life that it's been difficult to pray? You gave a lot of I great would... examples of when you do pray. <laughs> well, I, I I could definitely I could definitely say say yes to that, um, and. Uh, I can think of, of two particular, not two particular moments, but two general situations. One is when I see that when my family is hurting. Uh, you know, ha- raising kids has its challenges, and especially uh, bringing kids through through uh, early to mid and late adolescence. Uh, I certainly would not want to be a teenager these days simply because of social media and the different kinds of demands and the different kinds of ways where people can can really be hurt 
Um, and there are moments when I when I look in the face of my of my twelve year old daughter, when I look in uh, the eyes of my my twenty two year old daughter who's trying to figure out what she wants to do with her life. She's got a great idea, but sometimes that that um, um, doubt creeps in, and also to my son as he figures out what he's going to do, and he's going into a whole new world, transitioning from high school into college, the grades might be great and you know everything might be dandy with the financial aid officer, but when you step on a real life campus into unfamiliar territory, you know, those are times when it, it, it sometimes gets difficult for me and the resistance level uh, gets a little high. And I know that that's time where I really have to call on God when those resistance times get high. The second one, really has a lot to do with with the uniqueness of being in in church work the uniqueness of being in ministry um there have been a couple of times where being involved in church ministry especially working with uh not just uh your your priest boss or working with a parish council or other lay coworkers there are some times where being in church means you're going to get hurt and no one ever told me that this sort of thing is going to be easy. And there have been some times where it's 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 come to an extreme for me, where I've has to where I have had to ask myself questions such as, why am I doing this? Why am I still doing this? I had one particular moment where I was going through a really tough time because of some decisions that had been made in uh, in my diocese here in Ohio, and my wife looked at me and she's like. You know, I've been in the business world now for for 20 odd years. I do the for-profit, you do the non-profit, but Paul, you're in an abusive relationship. You keep coming back and you keep getting hurt. How could you possibly do that? And I couldn't answer it. Mm-hmm. But I knew what I loved and I know what I love. And that was a time that where it was very difficult for me to say anything and it took time for me to finally, again, open up and say, you know, Lord, what's going on here? I know we're full of human beings, but I also know that we're full of your presence and your spirit. And the church is a divine institution as much as she is human. And it took me time, to, some time to remember that. And in, in the midst of, you know, uh, uh, parish staff reorganizations or uh, times regarding discernment of your vocation, those are times that, you know, you've got to take time, sometimes even more time to let yourself pray. And that's what I had to do. I had to let myself pray and not try and force the words out. And I remember again, what St. Paul says in scripture, even though we don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit is in us with inward groanings. And he uses that term, inward groanings, kind of like someone that's trying to bench press at the gym (laughs) or someone that's trying to run mile number 25 in a marathon. And and having run a couple of marathons myself, I know I kind of relate what St. Paul was talking about because those groans happen, but that's because we are really fully involved. And that's where God wants, and God wants to be with us at those moments. And God certainly was with me at those moments. And 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 we worked, we worked through it. And and thanks be to God, here we are, and we're smarter, and we learn, and 
we keep doing what we're doing because that's what our vocation is about. Awesome. Well, my hat's off to you. <laughs> and also for running those marathons. Dude, that's, yeah. that's a lot yeah. of work. Yeah, I, I ran my I ran my first marathon uh, at age fifty down in Athens, Ohio, wow. and I did one a few months later uh, in Columbus. Uh, COVID, as uh, you probably have guessed, has kind of like a run roughshod, pardon the pun, over uh, everybody, every runner's training schedule yeah. and all of that, and people are getting sick of so called virtual runs, where basically you put in for a virtual run and you get the package and they send right. you the medal and they're like okay, you're on the honor system, go out and run. Yeah. Um, but thanks be to God, that's all, that's all coming back. And, and I'm slated to do uh, number, uh, number three, which will be uh, the Detroit Marathon in October. So I'm, I'm, I'm raring to go. Awesome. Wow. That's awesome. Well, in fact, Father Vince, who usually sits in this chair, I'm usually the producer, the guy behind the camera, but Father Vince is training for a half marathon. Oh, wow. uh, and he's supposed to run it this week. Okay, I think. no, so, I didn't realize that. Young priest. He's uh, 30 years old, Yeah. so he's got the lungs for it. It's easy. Half <laughs> marathons can be fun, Yep. believe it or not. Yeah. <laughs> and Sharon's a runner, too. I'm a, well, not, well I've fantastic. Always, yes, yes. Well, you know, mind, body, spirit. I pray when I run often. You know, it's a great being in the presence of God, you know. So Mike hasn't decided to join us yet. <laughs> that's all right i'll film you sharon i'll share i'll share one thing with you when i was doing when i was doing my first my very first marathon you know in fact uh, i had i had gotten off the phone before the race began i got off the phone with uh, father victor gallier uh who's a native oklahoman and now at uh, down in atlanta uh and he and he had done ironmans and he gave yeah. me a bit of advice and he said paul when you hit the wall you'll know what it is and you're supposed to run through it don't yeah. stop just run through it. And hitting the wall, of course, is when your body is starting to run out of the things that you need to run. And I remember being at mile 22 or mile 23, and it's pouring down rain mm. in April in Ohio. And it's getting, you know, it, it's springtime, it's halfway miserable. And I remember looking up at the at the the trees and the birds and the clouds, and I'm getting just like hyper emotional. Like, this is so beautiful. This is so intense. <laughs> Why am I crying? Oh, wait a minute. This is the wall. Okay, well here, let's 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 keep doing it. So so yeah, it uh it can be a moment of of some real intense involvement with nature and of course with God. Mm, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for being a guest today. This has been fantastic. We always ask our guest and we got just a, a few seconds of time. Of course. Uh, would you say one intention that we can all if the whole world could join you in prayer? Um We'll just pray for it. And then would you uh, lead us out with a glory be? Would you lead us in a glory be? Of course. I'd like to join this intention, um, which was actually the suggestion of uh, our immediate past Ohio State uh, Department of uh, Health Director, Dr. Amy Acton, uh, someone who has really brought uh, spirit and life and faith, uh, guiding an entire state population uh, through um, through a pandemic, and and her intent would certainly be mine, and that is to look at each other as human beings and children of God. That would be my intention, that we would have a greater ability to look at one another and acknowledge each other, regardless of our differences, as a child of God. Mm-hmm. Glory be to, to the, the Father, Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. 
Amen. Glory Be is a production of the Office of Communications at the Church of St. Mary in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'm Mike Malcolm. I'll see you next week.